Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 12th of December 2012. I always start off the broadcast by advising people to go into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and make good use of it because there's lots and lots of uh, information going back years where I go through the big system you're born into. I show you the sham of democracy, although the big boys at the top are always promoting democracy. They don't believe in it at all. There is no democracy as such. You've got to belong to some special interest group, heavily funded and on course with the big world agenda to get any, any voice at all. And that's how it was set up to be, actually. So I go through the system, too, of how men got together, formed their big clubs, and decided... Uh, the height of the British Empire to take over the entire planet, uh, all of its resources and all the people in it too, and also to go along with the new science. Science was everything at that time, and they'd bring in uh, plethoras of scientists that would run the world properly, and of course behaviorism came out of it too, and lots of other neurosciences and so on, to manage us all like children, and without our being aware of it even, and plus uh, an international educational authority to make sure we all got the same programming and indoctrination for to be obedient citizens, and pretty stupid too. And uh, I go through it all, uh, as I say, on the, the website, so make sure you, you help yourself to that. It's all free downloads, your audios, plus the sites, as you listed there, have uh, transcripts in English for prints up with a lot of talks I've given, and you can go into alanwattsentinel.eu and get transcripts in other languages. Number two, you are the audience that bring me to you, and this is not a business and uh, as I said, I came out years ago to start changing the whole course of navel-gazing of what was then called Patriot Radio, because I didn't understand the big world movements and, and the big big agenda, and uh, it's been awfully successful. Lots of hosts have taken off with it and pushed it to get the world word out what was actually happening, where it was all supposed to go. And, uh, and as I say, it's only to get the word out that came out in the first place. So if you want to keep me going, you can help support me by buying the books and discs at Cutting Through the Matrix, and you can donate as well, hopefully. And because uh, things are really austere here, believe you me, in Canada, with the high taxations and about double the cost of most things from the United States, most things that you purchase. So to do it, remember, um, from the U.S. to Canada, you can use personal checks to Canada. You can use international postal orders from the U.S. to Canada. You can send cash or use PayPal. And across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. And uh, through the books, too, as I say, you'll, you'll find that chronology, the art of chronology in running people's vast amounts of people is, is very, very old. Indeed, it's a very, very old science. And it is a complete science, too. And remember, street donations are awfully welcome. And what I do is I, say is I go through the history of this system, I go through the reasons why things are really happening, I tell you what's coming up, because the big boys do like to write about their uh, plans for the world long in advance of bringing them in. They understand that every part of their big agenda takes many years, sometimes 50 years or more, to prepare, even things like the GATT Treaty to bring in world commerce uh, and a world uh, private court, you might say, that deals with all commerce and, and uh, treaties across the whole planet. 
planet to get everybody on board with it. It took us about 40 years to build China up to be the manufacturer of the planet. They didn't do it themselves. They even trained all their engineers to go back home before they even had factories to go to in China. We trained them in the West. Things like that to understand. And even the wars, too, take many, many years to prepare. Never mind the propaganda, which is all prepared long in advance, too. Uh, and even work out with computers now how the public will react to the propaganda. And they work out the different peoples and, and, and type subgroups that will see different aspects of it and how it will affect them. And, and again, the computer works out to overcome them, too. That's how detailed everything is today in a scientific form of socialism run by fascists at the top. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix and talking about this world of deception. Everything is deception, of course, and big powerful groups are all vying for more power and so on. Some countries are even being used by other countries to, to foment war and so on, etc., etc. And we're all being taxed to death as we go into this world, world system organization of redistributing your wealth to the big international corporations that set up in third world countries. Because that's where the money goes, supposedly. How much ever reaches them, we'll never know. Do you understand? We really are so divorced from government. We don't even know what's going on because we're never told the truth on anything. We're never given breakdowns of where all the cash goes. Never, ever, ever. All they do in government is demand taxes from you and put you in jail if you don't comply. Even if you don't agree to where the tax money might be going, like killing other people and stuff like that. So we call this democracy, and of course this sham is to be pushed across the world. That's all it is, is a sham, you understand. Because the boys that set it up did not believe in it at all, but it was a good corner for the public to believe in. And it's worked pretty well up until now, but we're getting kind of fed up with it and jaded too at the same time. But we find this sort of stuff goes on all the time, the, the deceptions and, and countries using other countries' militaries and so on. And this article here it comes out about, uh, it says, Western diplomats believe that Israel is behind the leak of information from the International Atomic Energy Agency in relation to Iran's nuclear energy program. Unnamed sources have been quoted by The Guardian in an article December the 10th, 2012, as saying that Tel Aviv has carried out a series of leaks suggesting that Iran was allegedly involved in military nuclear experiments in an attempt to mount international pressure against the Islamic Republic. Actually, Israel uh, wants the U.S. military in the West to, to take out Iran, obviously, like all other countries. That they've done. So the latest leak published by the Associated Press showed an allegedly Iranian diagram depicting the physics of a nuclear blast, but scientists were quick to refute the purported evidence, citing an elementary mistake. The diagram does nothing more than indicate whether uh, either slipshod analysis or an amateurish hoax, declared an article in the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, it says. And it says, the diagram which Iran rejected as forged raised questions about an inquiry being conducted by the International Atomic Energy Agency inspectors after it emerged as a part of a file of intelligence on the Iranian nuclear activities held by the agency. An intelligence summary provided to AP with a graph appeared to implicate two Iranian nuclear scientists targeted for assassination two years ago. One of them was Majid Shah Riara, 
uh, was killed on his way to work in Tehran November 2010 after a motorcyclist fixed a bomb to his car and the other feared him. Abbasi Davani was wounded in a similar terrorist attack at the same day. Earlier this year, veteran Israeli and American writers on intelligence published a book called Spies Against Armageddon, where they revealed the attacks were carried out by the Mossad's assassination unit known as Kidon, which is bayonet. That's what it means. One Western source's intelligence summary reads like an attempt to justify the assassinations. European diplomats, however, noted that the principal impact of the leak would be to undermine the international energy, uh, atomic energy's credibility uh, and mar the agency's ongoing investigation and endanger its officials. That was the, the intention of this forgery. Iran has strongly rejected the allegations of involvement in non-civilian nuclear activities, emphasizing that numerous international atomic energy agency inspections of its nuclear facilities have never found any evidence showing that the Islamic Republic's nuclear energy program has been diverted towards military objectives. It doesn't matter what they show, uh, it's on the cards, they're not going to be allowed to have any atomic energy at all. You see, that's, that's on the cards, so. I'll put this one up tonight. And also the same article appears in The Guardian, Israel suspected over Iran nuclear program inquiry leaks as a forgery. So uh, there you go again. And mind you, forgeries can get wars going. They've done it before in the past. And this article here, too, is about the reality of the world we live in. Because, you see, we're all taught that our governments are somehow above board. We're, we're brainwashed by nonsense to believe that uh, people in suits and ties that get to be politicians are somehow holier than now, and nothing is further from the truth because they're the opposite of holy, believe you me. To even to get up there, you have to be pretty psychopathic and belong to the right clubs. And what they do when they have enemies, is, is and even within their own countries, is have them killed. Every country has groups that will do wet jobs. That's murder, basically and get rid of people who are nuisances in their own countries. It happens all the time. It's always happened, in fact. And this one is about what they did in Ireland. And this has come out now. It says that uh, Patrick Finnecane, a practicing lawyer, was murdered in his home in North Belfast on the evening of Sunday, 12 February 1989. The attack was carried out by gunmen from the Loyalist Paramilitary Group, the Ulster Defence Association, which is backed by Britain, as he sat down for, or England, sat down for dinner, and his wife, Geraldine, and their three young children. It says Geraldine uh, Finnecane was injured in the attack, and it says... um. This goes on to say, I was appointed by the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland on 12th October 2011 to conduct an independent review into the question of state involvement in the murder. On that day, the Prime Minister, the Right Honourable David Cameron MP, made the following comments in the House of Commons. I profoundly believe that the right thing for the Finnecane family for Northern Ireland and for everyone in the United Kingdom is for the British government to do the really important thing, which is to open up and tell the truth about what happened 22 years ago. Frank acknowledgement of what went wrong, an apology for what was happened, and that is what is required. The Prime Minister's comments were followed by an oral statement by the then Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, the Right Honourable Owen Patterson MP, who said, The Government accept the clear conclusions of Lord Stevens and Judge Curry that there was collusion. I want to reiterate the Government's apology in the House today. The Government is deeply sorry for what happened. Despite the clear conclusions of previous investigations and reports, there is still only limited information in the public domain. That's why my, uh, my Right Honourable friend, the Prime Minister, and I have, I like this Right Honourable stuff, have committed to establishing a further process to ensure that the truth is revealed. And then, of course, 
in the BBC, they, they, they give you more data on it really. It says the level of state collusion uncovered by a report into the murder of Belfast solicitor Pat Finnegan is shocking. However, included there was no overarching state conspiracy, even though, of course, <laughs> there's been a lot of articles came out long before that showed you that Britain did an awful lot of assassinations inside uh, Ireland during that whole period. And it, uh, it talks about, it says, Mr. Finnegan's widow, Geraldine, has dismissed the report as a sham and, and a whitewash. Mr. Finnegan was shot dead by a loyalist in front of his wife and children at his North Belfast home. And it says the review published Wednesday found that the RUC, that's the Royal Ulster Constabulary Officers, proposed Mr. Finnegan in 39 be killed. So the cops themselves, you know, they really ran the place like you wouldn't believe. Uh, they, they, they decided to kill this guy. They said they passed information to his killers and failed to stop the attack and then obstructed the murder investigation. That was very common. It also found that an army intelligence unit, the FRU, bears a degree of responsibility because one of their agents, Brian Nelson, was involved in selecting targets. So the army was involved too. The chief constable of the police service of Northern Ireland, Matt Baggett, said the police fully accepted the findings of the report. He offered a complete, absolute and unconditional apology to the Finnegan family, saying they had been abjectly failed and said in the coming days the PSNI would discuss the report with the police ombudsman, Budman, and the public prosecution service. So that was pretty standard stuff at that time, because they wouldn't believe what was going on as they were bumping people off, just come to their doors and shooting them and stuff like that, if they happened to have a voice and and they could actually speak to the people. It's not so much being able to speak to the people, it's being able to say things that are very simple, really, and put across in a way that people understand what you're saying. Um, that's why they always go for the people who can speak and get rid of them. All countries can do that, of course, and have in the past too, and will continue, no doubt, doing it. But I'll put that up tonight just to show you that, that that's, these are the governments that you vote in and out all the time. Uh, they collude together to kill folk across the waters or at home. doesn't matter. And this article, too, is to do with... Um, this one here is uh, from the Jewish Journal, and it talks about different congressmen who are, are not in the, the, new go- the new government, this new group uh, that Obama's got together. This is when the new Congress convenes in January, we're missing several long-time pillars of support for Israel on Capitol Hill. Gone from the House of Representatives with veterans, Jewish reps, Howard Berman from California, a Democrat, the ranking member on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, Gary Ackerman, Democrat, New York, the ranking member on the committee's Middle East and South Asia subcommittee, and Steve Rothman, Democrat, New Jersey, a point person on funding Israel's missile defense efforts. Absent from the Senate will be Senator Joseph Lieberman. And Jewish politics agree, watchers agree that their departures represent a loss for pro-Israel brainpower of a scope not seen for years. People like Berman and Ackerman, both Congress and the pro-Israel community, will miss having people of that seniority who know issues inside and out, said Jeremy Bonamy, president of the, the Dovish Israel Policy Group. Uh, Jai Street just called, referring to the top senior Democrats on the Foreign Affairs Committee, each of whom served in Congress for 30 years. And it says, it says, but he expressed confidence. This is um, Martin Frost, a Jewish Democrat who represents Texas in Congress from 1979-2005. said, Bergman's departure is a real loss, but he expressed confidence that support for Israel would remain strong in Congress. He says, you always hate to lose anyone, but I think we're in good shape, Frost said. So, you know, no one talks about conflicts of interest. You're not allowed to. But it's, it's kind of evident 
that there's conflicts going on somewhere in supposedly sovereign countries with such power, countries that have such power, especially one that has the top military power on the planet. It really is pretty, pretty, pretty nasty stuff. Tonight, too, I'll put up an article about Jews for Peace, who also oppose going into the West Banks and settlers and so on, and on a documentary as well for Islam for Peace, a little video on that one as well, because there's not one everyone's going along with all this stuff. And I mentioned all many times over the years about how the, the agenda is actually to go this way, to bring, to destroy all culture altogether and rebuild it. Marx talked all about that too. And so did Adorno from the Frankfurt School. I'll talk about this when I come back after this break. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about uh, the, knocking down the pillars. You see, eventually you knock down enough pillars of normalcy and the whole roof comes down. And that's, of course, where all the sexual perversion and all the groups are standing up for them with massive funding and far-left lawyers and all that are really pushing all this thing to, to go along the Marxian road of utterly destroying all that was to bring in the new society. That's why it's all been done. And if you read all the Marxian writings and all the guys involved with them, and again, the Frankfurt School to do with that too, they talked about destroying all that was normal, including all sexual moralities too, right down to bringing in necrophilia. He says that would be a sign we're, we're, we're almost there. And I've gone through this before as we go through all the nonsense that's pushed and promoted by government under the, under the guise of human rights and so on, and promoted at the United Nations as owned by the same people too. And they run all the banks as well. They're, they're all lackeys, actually. They're actually they're actually owned by the Royal Institute for International Affairs. That who, that's who owns and set up the United Nations to start with. And that's it's also the Council on Foreign Relations, same group that created that. So anyway, it says here, here's, here's, here's the next case. It's not just people getting sex changes and then changing their mind and you have to pay for them getting put back. And, and it's sort of a great boon for plastic surgery. It says, a civil rights frontier. Man says law standing between him and sexual acts with a donkey is unconstitutional. Now, this guy, you'll see his face here, too, is is is, is mugshot, as you say, the cops call it. He's obviously a, quite a few cents short of the dollar. And and he's not the sort of guy who, who dreamed up this. This, this is the lawyers and, and sexual advocates behind this. But it says, farmhand Carlos R. Romero was caught with his pants down by a farm owner is accused of masturbating with a donkey in Ocala, uh, Florida. He allegedly admitted to masturbating with doodle. He diddled the doodle five or six times and is challenging the notion that sex acts with animals are necessarily harmful or non-consensual. Now, I mentioned before the International Censors Board Committees, if an international one, that you think it's supposed to stand up for what you shouldn't see, basically. But they don't do that at all. Their job is to keep the pulse of the public to see how degraded you are with what they're having shown you to see if they can go the next step. In the year 2001, they had a world meeting about it and they stood up afterwards it was in all the papers, professors in Canada and the state says, now that they've won the battle for homosexuality, we must push for intergenerational sex, which is paedophilia, and also bestiality. So here's the bestiality, folks. 
And I'm not kidding. You understand, these are agendas. I hope you understand that. And it says, lawyers are representing the frisky farmhand thrown in jail for allergic masturbating with a donkey are now fighting to have Florida state statute banning sex with animals declared unconstitutional. By making sexual conduct with an animal a crime, the statute demeans individuals like defendant by making his private sexual conduct a crime. Well, it's not so private with somebody else's donkey as well. Attorneys for the 30-year-old Carlos R. Romero wrote in a motion filed last week, uh, and it says, Romero was cuffed at an Ocala farm back in September after farm proprietor Gerald James told police he saw Romero with his pants down as he was seemingly having sex with a donkey named Doodle in an equipment room on August the 15th, according to police report obtained by the smokinggun.com. And it says that Romero later pleaded not guilty to first-degree misdemeanor charges of sexual activities involving animals. He announced last week that he wanted his case to go to trial. So he's getting backed by big money, obviously. This guy doesn't have cash at his own. His attorneys argued that Florida's statute violates the farmhand's rights by stripping him of his personal liberty and autonomy when it comes to private intimate activities. And it shows you that the, the, the donkey, a 21-month-year-old miniature female donkey, apart from that, so it's a paedophile as well, it's not even of age. And he says, it says, to say the statue is unconstitutional because it doesn't, it doesn't require the state to provide any proof of the animal's suffering or any proof of the sexual activity being non-consexual. How do you, how do you get a good donkey to agree to it? Hmm? You understand how mad all this is? You understand it's mad because it's meant to be mad. It's not logical. All the stuff that's getting pushed on you is not meant to be logical. It's meant to get you angry. It's meant to get you all arguing with each other. As you go through this, this mind change from 180 degrees normal to the other way where you don't know what's normal anymore. This is all intentional. Neuroscientists talk about these techniques, you know. So, here you go. And this is to be an opening case for the U.S., and if this, if this gets pushed through and he gets his rights, she'll have them opening up the shops and farms for all the pervs to go into and do their weird, weird stuff on animals that I guess have signed, that agree to it or something like that, or they get an extra carrot. You know, this is how mad it all becomes. But it's destroying everything that you thought was rational and normal. This is what the whole agenda is about, folks. The whole agenda. <laughs> and... Here's Britain as far as where they're going soon. Now, Britain's already had massive scandals with uh, pedophilia. Again, intergenerational sex is the professional people, the professional pairs prefer to call it, you know. And they're going into the next step now. It says, it's called adult babies. Agencies have, have opened up these nurseries for adults. No kidding. It says, I wanted to swap commuting for cuddles. It says, Britain's adult babies open up their nurseries for new documentary. The new Channel 4 documentaries is set to lift the lid on disturbing adult baby phenomenon. These are real pervs. These guys get dressed up in diapers and stuff. The Fly in the Wall program shows how fully grown adults choose to embrace an alter ego that allows them to have their nappies changed, their diapers, dress in a, a baby grow, and be looked after like an infant. See, you understand socialism works, folks. This is the perfect socialism right here. Perpetual childhood. Taken care of by the state. I'll be back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 
Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix, going through the, the world as it goes through its projected decay, basically, as we plummet through all normalcy into degradation, exactly what the Frankfurt School and other schools run by special folk who are completely Marxist, to say the least, uh, said that they would bring in. And it's all here. It's all here. Utter destruction, you see, of what was to bring in the new. Meaning all the, the existing cultures had to be destroyed by another culture. That's, that's actually what it meant. And it's, um, it talks about these, these adult babies, you see, the latest pair of stuff. If you can afford it, I guess, it's more expensive, I guess, than some of the pairs they get. But it says here, with unprecedented access to adult babies and their nurseries, they attend both the UK and USA. The film explores, explores the motivations between the adult babies' actions, as well as meeting the mummies and daddies who attend to their needs. And they could dress up in diapers and go in cots and stuff like that. I guess you pay extra if you can poop in your diaper and get changed and wash and all that. Acutely aware that many will label them as perverse sexual fetishists or presume there's something sinister going on, many adult babies are keen to distinguish their behavior as role-playing. Now, don't forget, they always give you the terms to use adult babies. Not, it's everything, it's just pervs. You know, just pervs. That's all. This is pervs. Some simply yearn to be absolved of any of the responsibilities of modern life and say that swapping of taxis or toys and commuting for cuddles simply helps them relax, getting dressed up like that. For many, this regression to babyhood with all of its trappings of nappy changing and bottle feeding is not about sexual kicks, but about relinquishing control and escaping the pressures of being a grown-up. This is this fantastic socialism because that's what perpetual childhood is. I mean, the, the boys at the top must be loving this stuff. They think, oh, it's working. Eh? You know, the welfare state and everything. And everything's taken care of by experts. He says, when I put on a nappy, a diaper on, it takes me back to the time when I had no stress, says Derek, an adult's baby, a perv. Described as a special bond between two people shared in a world where baby boys can play at having mummies and baby girls can play at having daddies. <laughs> Channel 4 investigates the niche of society. In the trailer currently available to watch on Channel 4's website, uh, a wife of an adult baby says, no, perv, I think in most wives there's a bit of a mother bond with her husband. Well, there's feminism that's taken off, folks, and the guys are now dressed in diapers. So I'll put this up tonight, too, for those who want to see how we're really plummeting at an awful rate. Not that we can really plummet much further. We've had years and years of, of soft porn just increasing in, on television, by design, by the way. It's all by design. And uh, and people have been emulating everything they see until they're, they're completely dysfunctional. And society has just gone to the dogs. So, And the dogs aren't safe now with all the, you know, the guys who are looking for the sexual rights with animals. Now, because of that fake uh, hoax, that was just a, uh, it was a, a definitely a hoax that came from Israel. Canada, that's on board with Israel for everything, says they've announced a new sanctions on against Iran. It says, and Canada's Foreign Affairs Minister John Beard announced more sanctions against Iran on Tuesday, ramping up pressure on Tehran to scrap its nuclear program. See, it doesn't matter how, if you say it's fake or not, and all the top scientists come out and say it's fake, it doesn't matter. See, it's, it's, a, it's a nod and a wink to the right people that you're on board with them, and, and that's how things really work in the right world, in the real world. So I won't even read the article. And this is a good little article here, it's about carbon dioxide. It says, it's heavier than air. No kidding, eh? And it says, it's a fact that carbon dioxide is heavier than air, so how can it rise up in the Earth's atmosphere? It's a simple question based on a known fact. Yesterday, uh, yet today, many people believe that CO2 is somehow stuck up there and it won't come down. What's up with that? 
Something might recall 20 years ago or more when gas stations started to charge 25 cents to use their air pump to fill up your tires. At the time, I thought, what's the world coming to charging for air? Now it's a dollar, by the way, in Canada. The government has taken that idea to a whole new level, taxing the air that you breathe. Uh, cap and trade laws have already been introduced in Ontario by uh, it was Bill 185, Environmental Protection Amendment Act, Greenhouse Gas Emissions Trading, and that was in 2009. doesn't matter what they say about these conferences, Canada's pulled out. No, they've already passed the laws here. See how they, they play the games on the public? And I'll put the link up for that too, to show you the bill. But it says, in June 2008, the governments of Ontario and Quebec agreed to collaborate on a greenhouse gas cap and trade initiative. In July 2008, Ontario joined the Western Climate Initiative, which also includes Arizona. See, they bypassed the feds anyway. They were all worked out. Arizona, British Columbia, California, Manitoba, Montana, New Mexico, Oregon, Quebec, Utah, and Washington, and working on a regional cap and trade system. See, these guys at the top, aren't, they don't miss a trick. They, they have about three or four different fail-safe methods if one fails, you see. Carbon dioxide was added to Environment Canada Schedule, one of CEPA, CEPA, 1999, in November 2005, in order to enable the government the use of a variety of preventative or control actions. This substance is not classified as toxic, but remains managed under Schedule 1 of CPA, 1999. I've got the link for that too. And it says, carbon dioxide, also called carbonic acid gas, is a naturally occurring colourless, odourless, incombustible gas formed during respiration, when you breathe out, uh, combustion, decomposition of organic substances, all, all veggies rot, and uh, grass rots itself too, gives off off, and trees, when they fall, they give off, everything gives it off. And the reaction of acids with carbonates. Carbon dioxide is used in carbonated drinks, fire extinguishers, and as dry ice for refrigeration. Carbon dioxide is heavier than air. It's present in the Earth's atmosphere at low concentrations and acts as a greenhouse gas. This is what they call it. Carbon dioxide is constantly being removed from the air by its direct absorption into water, and the sea absorbs most of it, and by plants through photosynthesis. In turn, it is naturally released into the air by plant and animal respiration decay of plant and soil organic matter, outgassing from water surfaces. It's true, when it warms it, it'll give it off and, and vice versa when it cools. Small amounts of carbon dioxide are also injected directly into the atmosphere by volcanic emissions and through slow geological processes such as the weathering of rock. That information came from the, the link Environment Canada, and you can read it for yourself. So rocks give it off. You can tax the rocks too. You can't get blood out of stone, eh? The governments of global warming potential factor rates carbon dioxide a factor of one. Not the number one cause, but at the bottom of the list of 31 threats. So at the very bottom of 31 threats. Most of it is water, remember. You're getting there. Sulfur hexafluoride rates uh, uh, 23,900, making this 22.899 times more of a uh, a threat than carbon dioxide. Since I worked for 15 years in the industrial painting industry, and I worked with many clients over the years, and I have to admit I would have to look some of these up to tell you what they're used for. The case that carbon dioxide is a global warming factor looks a little weak for me. And since I found the chart at the very bottom of the Environmental Protection Act, and I'll put that link up tonight too uh, to show you uh, what it says. But yeah, carbon's at the very, very bottom. Carbon dioxide's at the very, very bottom. 
But it doesn't matter because remember the Rothschilds put the bill forward in Britain and they want all the carbon taxes to go through and the carbon credits to go through their bank. Massive, massive cash for them. Terrific power too. But also control all of their lives. And all these government agencies that are being created will be coming in your homes and checking for heat loss and this and that and the other and massive fines and everything else. Oh, it's great business for lawyers too. Fantastic stuff, eh? But it's, it's, a, it's a way to control you, every one of you. That's what it's all about, control, massive control. Never mind all the multi-billionaires who are going to get into multi-trillionaires through all two, who handle all the carbon credits. And this one here is to, also quite a little interesting little uh, video here. And it's uh, the Detroit councilwoman to Obama. She says, we voted for you. Now bail us out. Again, you're in a welfare state now, you understand. And people will, and so-called democracy parts of it, you know, when they actually allow some of it, uh, they want to be taken care of. Uh, That's what they vote for, the guy that promises them whatever they want. Never mind the fact that the economy is shot anyway, because we gave all their factories and so on to foreign countries. That was designed two years before it happened. And the guys who set up the free trade uh, with China and all that and set all the factories over, they knew there'd be no work left in America once they'd done it. You understand? No one's answered that question. They knew it all, discussed it all, <laughs> and they had nothing to replace it. And it came out, oh, you'll have a, a service economy. You'll pass you know, cookies around from one restaurant to another, middlemen and so on. So I'll put this up tonight. Actually, what the woman says is, where's the bacon, she says, to Obama. And this article, too, is to do with the census in England. It says, census shows the rise in foreign-born. It says, it's every year. They're awfully happy about this, too, as the, as the foreign-born increases. And it says, the number of foreign-born residents in England and Wales has risen by nearly 3 million since 2001 to 7.5 million people. The 2011 census shows, means about 1 in 8 or 13% of residents were born outside the UK. The most common birthplaces outside the UK for residents are India, Poland, and Pakistan. The number of ethnic white British people is down to 80%. And they'll cheer when it's in the minority, because that is the agenda, folks. When there's no, what the lefties said, and Marx and all the rest of them, and all the other groups, including the Frankfurt School, said, this is when uh, the, 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 their main enemies down through time had been, they claimed the white folk, actually. Uh, in Europe, when it's down into minority, then uh, they'll be safe themselves. So I'll put this up tonight too, uh, to show you that it's a rah-rah thing and so on. Just some 45%, 3.7 million people in the capital describe themselves as in London as white British, down 58% in 2001, it says. So... The Office for National Statistics said the findings showed a diverse and changing picture. Remember, uh, Tony Blair also gave his second-in-command the order to to open up the floodgates. And this, and again, it came out in the papers, and I read the papers on air, that it was to dis- destroy what was left of the British culture forever, so it could never uh, reconstitute itself again. This is the agenda, you know. Then they'll have world peace, you understand, whenever he's completely dysfunctional. And when you don't have, and it's not not this that too. They're telling the people to keep their cultures. You understand? Who are coming in? They change, at one time they tell them to assimilate. And when they assimilate into America, there are countries it's no problem at all. 
But when you're trying to keep your cultures, then you end up with different areas of cities. All it's, this is that areas, and this is this belongs to so and so and so. And it's like it's like ghettos all over the place. And then out of all this mush, they bring in, they develop some kind of new strange culture, which is basically, basically Marxism, because it's the only one that's pushed from the top down for them all, because they're looked after by special NGO groups. It's all designed that way. Now in America, which again has been cleaned out and is paying for an awful lot of the world's wars, and not just in military, but in men too, and equipment and so on, for other countries, and it's, uh, so America's plummeting within the job realm. However, it says here that this go west young man to the new normal dream job for Americans. Because after all, it's just an American dream they gave you, not a reality. You're <laughs> told to dream all the time. But the new dream job is in California. It says state workers are earning $822,000. There was a time when working on Wall Street, either on the, on the cell or buy-ins side, was a dream of every able-bodied worker who could do simple addition in their head. and wasn't afraid to cut the occasional corner in exchange for a bottle of Bollinger and sizable year-end bonus. That, however, was so... Uh, 2006, and with a long overdue conversion of the banking sector into utility, the stratospheric compensation payments from the peak of the credit bubble are long gone. So what's the new uh, normal dream job? Become a California state worker, preferably one who deals with neurotic and or crazy people. Well, I've been reading some crazy articles tonight. The new normals are all, they're all new normals, mind you, you know. Shows how just generous... uh, the otherwise insolvent state of California is when it comes to paying its public servants. It says a psychiatrist, become a psychiatrist, for instance, to deal with, with neurotic folk. Mind you, the U.S. now, I mean, it's an article a couple of months ago, uh, it had the highest rate of suicide it's ever had before. More so than car smashes for the first time in its history. Before it's killing themselves because there's no future for them. And it says uh, the following chart from Bloomberg shows just how generous the otherwise insolvent state of California is when it comes to paying its public servants. And the 100% plus increase in California employee state pay since 2005 needs to say this is a rate of increase in compensation that 99% of workers in the private sector would die for. Some other stunning observations from Bloomberg on the best job taxpayer money can buy. The best paid job is a psychiatrist. At this pace, they will have lots and lots of patients. Psychiatrists were amongst the highest paid employees in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, and New Jersey, with total compensation of $270,000 to $327,000 for top earners per annum. State police officers in Pennsylvania collected checks as big as $190,000 for unused vacation and personal leave as they retired young enough to start second careers, while Virginia paid active officers as much as $109,000 in overtime alone, the data shows. The numbers are even larger in California, where a state psychiatrist was paid $822,000 a highway patrol officer collected $484,000 in pay and pension benefits, and 17 employees got their checks of more than $200,000 for unused vacation and leave. The best-paid staff in other states earned far less for the same work, according to the data. Says Mohammed Safi, graduate of the Medical School in Afghanistan, collected $822,302 last year, up from 90682 when he started in 2006. Not bad, eh? The data show Safi was placed on administrative leave in July and is under investigation by the Department of State Hospitals, formerly the Department of Mental Health. Another perk of public workers in, in California, $200,000 in accrued vacation pay. 
The disparity with other states is also evident in payments for accumulated vacation time when employees leave public service. No other state covered by the data compiled by Bloomberg paid a worker more than $200,000 for accrued leave last year, while 17 people got such payments in California. $200,000 for accrued leave. There were 240 employees who received at least $100,000 in California, compared with 42 in the other 11 states, the data shows. New Jersey Governor Chris Christie calls such payments boat checks because they can be large enough to buy a yacht. Tapping the list, or topping the list was $608,821 paid to psychiatrist Gertrudis uh, Agricoli, 79, who retired last year from the Napa State Mental Hospital after a 30-year career. Agricoli said in a, tele- interview, a telephone interview it was her right to take the payments. And says, can California afford to pay those wages? Well, of course not. Across the U.S., such compensation policies have contributed to state budget shortfalls of $500 billion in the past four years and prompted some governors, including Representative Scott Walker of Wisconsin, to strip most government employees of collective bargaining rights and take other steps to limit payroll spending. It's called socialist corruption, folks. You understand anything that goes through the public uh, purse, the private purse, I mean the taxpayers' money, uh, they, they, just, uh, they just whop it at the top. It's amazing, too, they even did that in the Soviet systems, too, the guys who ran the Soviet systems. They, they ran out of the Soviet systems when the so-called walls came down and into America, with some of them with billions of American dollars, too. Isn't that kind of, well, odd, you know? Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, we're cutting through the matrix and talking about the, the craziness of this system and uh, understand there's a deliberate move a long time ago, discussed before World War II, during World War II and right after it to alter the whole face of Europe and to bring in this international economy which the West was all to pay for. We're still paying for it through free trade and all the different agreements they sign. We're still building schools in China and hospitals. Uh, and they're the only manufacturing plant basically left in the world. They're the main manufacturers of pretty well everything you buy across the planet. Set up the big boys when they did the GATT Treaty through the World Trade Organization. These organizations that you haven't even... You don't get a chance to vote on these things. You didn't get a, a chance to get to, to vote on a G8 or G20 group where all your the guys that you're supposed to represent you join, make their own private clubs and then work with the World Bank. So it was all done through the Royal Institute for International Affairs, who said they'd bring in the system as early as 1900. And then you, you, go, you go down into poverty, you pay, 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 and, and then they bring in a socialist system, wherever it's broke, there's no work. And then they punish the people living at home who still live at home. And here's an article here from Scotland, for instance, that was utterly hammered. Scott, I mean, mind you, that was part of the agenda, because Wells and other ones said they would take out Scotland. They didn't like the gene pool, because they kept rebelling for centuries, and same with Ireland too, mind you. And some top economists said the same thing before him, and after. So I had teachers threatened to feed people's bread and water in Scotland, unless parents paid their school meal bills. I don't know how folk are even surviving in Scotland anymore. Mockland Primary School boss Lynn McLean issued the warning after children began turning up without enough money for lunch. 
but the move has been scrapped after Hughes' parents complained to education chiefs, who've now apologised. In a letter to parents on Friday, McLean said the school would begin to take action to recover, recover the debts for school lunches. They said, unfortunately, we've become aware that numbers of pupils are coming along for school meals but have not been given sufficient money by parents to pay for the meal. Sadly, it's a, it's a weekly occurrence, and as an example, last week 21 families accumulated an outstanding debt of £89.90, ranging from 90 pence to £18. The letter goes on to outline new payment rules at Ayrshire School, where lunches cost pound ninety pence a day. It states, it states from Monday, December 10th to Friday, December 21st, people who have not brought money to pay for meals will have to wait until the end of services when they feed them, when all paying pupils and free meal pupils have been served first. So you'd put you then the lines, they can all look at you and go, oh, you're really poor, eh? And discrimination, etc. And McLean vowed to get even tougher in the new year. She warned from Monday, January 7th, people who have not enough money to pay for meals will be provided with a plain sandwich and water to drink. So it's bread and water until the backdated debt has been paid, at which time they will be provided with a full school meal. Meanwhile, Scotland's still paying through all its international treaties money to other countries they call third world. Mind you, the folk never heard any vote on that either. In fact, you don't, you don't get to vote on anything that matters to you and affects you. That's just the way it is, folks. Also tonight, I'll put up an article on HPV, the human papilloma virus, and vaccine victim Suze Merck. And it's quite a good article about multiple sclerosis like symptoms, strokes, neurological compl- complications, seizures, paralysis, and so on. And put that up tonight too. There's different cases, of course, but they don't like to play that up uh, at the top. You know, they know it's going to be a fallout in a certain percentage. Well, you've got bad genes, you see. This is, if you had better genes, it wouldn't happen to you. This is the rubbish the corporations and your governments will feed to the victims. From Hamish Monsieur from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.